You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Episode 7 of Season 2 of Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TWTerryPod, as well as liking the Testimonies with Terry Facebook page. So today's episode is pretty cool, because you guys are going to get to listen in on a conversation I had with a friend that I hadn't seen or talked to in years. It's raw and it's real. You're going to hear the testimony of a woman who had to figure out who she truly was after being thrust into a parental role during her childhood and how she sought out healing in finding herself. You'll hear how she's grieving the recent passing of her mom and the nuggets of wisdom she's learning along the way. You'll also hear about this woman's obedience and dedication to follow God wherever he's calling her to carry out the purpose he has on her life, From St. Cloud, Minnesota, to Sydney, Australia, and now New York City. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Leah Amundsen's testimony. All right, guys, I am here with the super fun and super talented Leah Amundsen. Leah, thanks for coming on the show. Oh my goodness. That's an intro. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, exciting. It is. I feel like, man, we haven't talked in years, probably. So long, way too long. Way too long, way too long. So I'm excited to catch up with you. I know you're uh, living in the Big Apple nowadays. And so we'll uh, get into your journey of what led you there. But Leah, yeah, why don't we just kind of start off with, you know, just kind of the traditional way I start off the podcast with where did you grow up and what was your family life like? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota, born and raised up until I was 18. And I'm the oldest of six kids, four boys, two girls. And that was uh, a circus in the best way. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, some of my family. So I think, you know, some of my siblings. So, oh yeah, you understand. (laughs) (laughs) What was, uh, what was that like being the oldest of six? And then, you know, also kind of being outnumbered with, uh, you know, four brothers. Yeah. You know, I felt like. I mean, I was forced into leadership. I didn't, <laughs> there was no other way around it. So, I mean, I loved it. I, I don't know. I just, I love my family. I love who they are and we all sharpen one another. We all have so much to bring to the table. So I've always learned from them. And they've learned from me. And um, I don't know. I have so many memories of uh, doing things at a young age, just because my mom needed help. And there are so many of them and the boys are rambunctious, but they are very respectful. So I have to give them a lot of props for that. So it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> I may have scared them more than anything. Cause I was like the boss. So they didn't want to get on my bad side. <laughs> gotcha. You hey, instilled that fear in them. Huh? Amounts, <laughs> nothing crazy, but yeah. 
Awesome. What uh, what was your relationship with your parents like as uh, you were kind of growing up? That's such a loaded question. I'm like, wow, like how vulnerable do we want to go? <laughs> like, you know, completely um, up to you, <laughs> you know, uh, completely up to me. Um, well, you know, when you're thrust upon major responsibility at a young age, I feel like that can either set a kid up for a lot of wins or it can put a kid in a place of, you know, your, ha- your survival mode, essentially. Like you're, you, ha- you are, you have to take care of yourself. If you know, you're the boss too, then who's looking after you. So it sometimes it did feel a little strain on between, I was like the third parent in the family for a long period of my life there. But, um, I kind of enjoyed that role at the same time because, I'm naturally a very protective person, but yeah, I mean, I think, man, I haven't really talked about my childhood, like with, you know, that dynamic of my, like my relationship with my parents in that way. But I will say it was a challenge, um, a lot with my father and with my mother. And, but you know what I healed in the process and through the years and, you know, right now I have the best standing relationship with my dad. And before, you know, my mom, we had like the most solid relationship ever. So there's a lot of redemption through the years to surmise it. With with you kind of taking on that third parent role, that leadership role, is that something that do you feel like your parents kind of like expected that out of you or like spoke that to you? Or is that something that you just kind of did naturally on your own? How, how did that kind of Mm. come to be? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think it was a little bit of both naturally. I'm just, it just that I'm a natural, how do you, I don't I mean, this is an all humility, just a natural born leader. Like I just wanted to help, you know what I mean? I wanted to take the leadership in certain things. And then a lot of it was a need because there was a need. My mom needed help. So I was that. So, and I think there's a lot of generational things attached to that as well. Same thing happened to her brother, who's the oldest. He was like the third parent. And I think it goes down the line. So I saw some threading through the tapestry, you know, of my life and my, you know, family's life down the line. So what was your relationship or what is your relationship with your sister? Like, you know, with, with you two being the only girls out of the bunch there, what's, uh, what's that relationship been like? Uh, that relationship, I, you know, She's the middle child too. And we're both kind of have this like um, alpha kind of energy. <laughs> that makes sense. So there's a little bit of bit of like, um, not like a battle, but I am like almost four years older than her too, though. So there was a huge gap. So I did like definitely nurture and take care of her when she was younger, but like she was just, I don't know, just old enough in the group too to take on roles as well. So again, a little bit of a strain, but, um, man, I could go on about generational stuff as well, because that same type of thing happened to my mom's family. And she has, she's one of, or she was one of eight. And so there's five boys and three girls 
And there was just this battle royale between the guys and the girls half the time and like who treatment and certain things like that. So my relationship with my sister, I think she didn't want me to be a mom to her. She wanted me to be a sister, but I don't think I knew how to do that sometimes. That makes sense. Because I was like constantly in control, constantly, you know, whatever Leah says goes kind of thing, which it's not fair to either kid because it's like the parent ultimately should have the say so, but they had some different things they were a part of. And so I was in charge and they were gone uh, a portion of like, I don't know, I want to say it's 11 to 15, 16. That was like a crucial time where I was like really, really present in the home. So I, I like what you said about not really knowing how to be a sister because I mean, yeah, you, you were never shown or never taught how to be a sister, let alone, you know, you were kind of, again, thrust in that role of being a, a third parent, yeah. you know, to not just your sister, but, but all your siblings. And so over time, you know, now that you've, you know, gone into adulthood, do you feel like you've been able to kind of find that role as a sister or has that been something that's still kind of been difficult to figure out? Yeah. Um, in fact, as adults, all of us have the best relationship with each other than ever. And I was away a lot of my, well, still am my adulthood. I was 18 and I flew the roost, you know, I was like, gone. I was like, bye, <laughs> bye Minnesota. Bye everybody. Honey, get out of here. <laughs> um, you know, so that space allowed for my own healing, my own grieving, my own, you know, recognizing the areas of my own things that I needed to sort out and for, for them to do their own thing too, without me in the picture, you know, they're just to have that person removed, I think helped them develop their own sense of self and identity. Um, and so now definitely I have found the sister role and, you know, it's crazy now that my mother has gone to heaven. It's like, technically I'm like in that role again, because yeah. it's like, you know, but there is zero expectation for me. Does that make sense for me to be or perform or do anything? for mm-hmm. them. It's more so like they know that I'm there for them and I know they're there for me and it doesn't need to look a certain way. We just have our own dynamic and it, it works really well right now from my, from my perception and like us communicating. I mean, I could be wrong, but like, I, I don't think so. Cause I spent a ton of time with them this past year and it was kind of magical to see Wow, the redemption and the healing work, and how everyone has like come full circle, and how you know you're working out your kinks in your teen years and your 20s. You're like, who am I? What is this? And then you kind of just like, like almost like level out in a way where you're like breathing on your own, and then you're established and grounded. And then when we come back together, it works really well. Like it just, you know. I, we all have different gifts and talents. And when we're um, give and take that type of thing, instead of like constantly tugging, I'm in charge or this and that. I, every single one of my siblings, and there's like six of us, they all have leadership on their lives. <laughs> so it's not just me. So actually, 
to reel it back a bit, I had to learn, and this is actually leadership 101 for anyone who is like, I'm a CEO and I'm going to do da, 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 da. Watch out for the people who also have leadership on their lives <laughs> and they have giftings and talents on their lives and ideas that are like out of this world. And if you, you know, smash or try to contain or put them in a box, they will somehow explode in one way or another. So I think it's learning. Yeah. Okay. This person, um, shines in this area, let them shine, let them just own it. And, you know, we don't just because one person has quote leadership on their life and they have a title does not mean that they need to run the show or run it a certain way. So I think I've learned from my siblings yeah. that because they have very strong personalities, larger than life, very charismatic. And I know I'm one of the loudest ones in the family, but like still, like still when we're all together. I'm like, there's a reason why I'm loud. I had to like talk over all of you people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a good point with, with all of you guys kind of having that, you know, that, that leadership quality, the mantle leadership, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that's obviously an amazing thing to have in a family, but, you know, kind of a recipe for uh, heads to butt as well. Oh, yeah. And so, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, as you guys have all gotten older and, and, and matured and, and kind of found your own place in life that you guys have been able to kind of figure out like the family system, like how, what do we need to do to make this family system run, you know, efficiently and cohesively. And it sounds like you guys have figured it out for the most part. You know, I don't know if any family like truly figures <laughs> it out where no. it's just like, you know, you know, running with like no problems, but um, sounds like you guys are, are in a good place right now. Yeah, we are. And so you mentioned earlier that your mom's in heaven and I know that's fresh, but is that something that you'd be willing to talk about or share how you've been grieving through that? Yeah. I mean, I'm all for talking about it. It's kind of been up for me personally and my whole family. It hasn't just been like now the aftermath of her death. It's been you know, we've been grieving all of this for five, the past five years before she passed. Um, so for me, I'm very familiar with grief and I definitely could talk on grief being outside of death and it relating to life and circumstances that we all go through. So yeah, I'm so for talking about this. <laughs> yeah. And so your mom had cancer, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of cancer did she have? Well, in 2008, she had, that's when she um, had breast cancer stage three. Um, she went into remission, um, 2009, 2010, but, uh, we were told that she has this, uh, she had this like cancerous gene in her body that she had to be on this, like tamoxifen, I think it was called. Basically she had to take a pill every day of her life to keep everything at bay, which she was not feeling herself when she would do that. So I think after my goodness, five years of doing that, maybe a little less, she just kind of dwindled off of it. And then a day before I moved to New York city is when we found out that she had a stage four cancer on the lining of her lungs. And through that, it just um, infiltrated her body. 
So like, as I say, it massacized. Um, so went to her, like, I think it was uh, a few of her organs. And then eventually towards the end, it went up to her brain. So yeah, it just, it was, I mean, yeah, it was a lot. There's a lot of the, the gradual and up and down journey of that with um, my mom and my whole family was like, um, I mean, I was, I'll talk about it. I go to, I'm in grief counseling now. And I was telling my amazing counselor last night, actually about how I just am now reflecting how these past five years of my life felt like I was walking through hell almost. I know that sounds dramatic, but like it, I shouldn't even say that, but I would say these past five years, I never felt that I could control anything in my life. Cause it was like mm-hmm. at drop of the hat, especially the past couple of years, we, I would fly back to Minnesota. I think in 2021, I was there. I want to say this is, I had so much grace for my, my, my job at the time. I was there probably maybe two months out of the whole year. Like if I were to accumulate it all together. Um, wow. But yeah, because there was a time where I was there for two and a half weeks. There was a time where I was there for 10 days in the summer. And there was a time where um, I had to go. I, it was almost every other month. And I, you know, I, there's a rabbit trail. I could go down another thing, but like I was on mission for what God had for me. But then I was like, here's my mom. What do I do? But I never felt like he graced me or released me from leaving New York and to go be with her. And she understood that that wasn't like even a thing where, you know, I mean, my mother was a saint. I, there's a reason why she went home soon because her mission was fulfilled. That was like, that. that's kind of like my theory on life. It's like, I'm on mission still. I have a lot to do. I have a lot of work that needs to be done uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of that kind of stuff. So like, I'm here for the journey. And if I were to go tomorrow, like, I mean, I, that's cool. But like, I, I know that there's so much more in me that needs to be output. So I looked at my mother and I'm like, man, there's a lot. Oh gosh. There's so much I could say. I'm just trying to keep it concise because it's like, I could talk about grief and then I could talk about the battle, the spiritual battle that she was in. And I could talk on what I learned as a believer, as a follower of, I was on a battlefield with her. And because we were so like my mom and I were so, so in tune. I could read her mind. I knew when something bad was going to happen. Um, I would call my brothers and check in and like, ah, oh, it's fine. It's just kind of standard, which standard was like, not great, you know, but like this one time I was like, something's very wrong. And it was like in the summer and I was about to do like a table read with a lot of my classmates. And that's like, when you read a script raw, um, but, you know, so we were about to do a table read and it was recorded and it's like all of this other stuff. And, um, I get all of these text messages while I'm doing this. They're saying mom just had a seizure mom just had a stroke. Something wrong is happening. Um, and so, and this happened, it was crazy. Cause I knew something was wrong and then it would happen. And then something would happen. And then I was like, my goodness, the enemy is such a liar, such a loser. Like I would gain ground in my areas of life. And then I felt like my mom was getting attacked or vice versa. It was really, really crazy. It was a spiritual battle. And it was something that like, um, yes, it's over quote, you know what I mean? Cause she's no longer 
here fighting her battle on earth. Um, but there is still a battle that we wage on earth, you know, and it's not against flesh and blood. So, um, I mean, I could, uh, I could go on and on about, um, the tactics of what I learned, uh, what our family learned and fighting in the spirit against fighting in the flesh and fighting from the soul. And, um, I learned in the spirit realm, we must see there and not like be so caught up in the physicality of what we see, because that can so distract and derail you from what the Lord has spoken. And I have, and now in the process of accepting her death, um, amidst, and this might speak to some people, there was a lot of prophetic words attached to my mother's healing a lot, a lot. And in the spirit, I believe that because that's God's ultimate goal. That's his ultimate promise is healing, healing on earth, uh, you know, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that, that is who he is, you know? Um, and I'm not saying the enemy is greater than God. Obviously he is, a uh, he is, he is defeated. We are victorious. Um, but our faith, God uses the measure of our faith. And there was just some things that transpired, transpired within our family that like the physical got to be overwhelming because at the end of her days, she was almost lifeless and like could not do anything on her own. So it was like a baby, a newborn baby, essentially is how she was yeah. in the past two months of her life. And I know she only hung on because of us, her kids, and then my dad. Because my dad and her had this like wild romantic life together. Extremely like, I mean, I could go on about that too, about what I learned through a godly marriage through my parents and how my mom like really exemplified what it means to be um, a supportive, a submissive and a loving wife to her husband. And then I got to see my dad be like Jesus Oh, I might cry. Yeah. Um, I really got to see him be Jesus, like to the disciples washing their feet. Like I, I saw that with him. Um, yeah. I've never seen that before with from anyone. Mm. I've never seen anyone um, love and serve another person like that. <laughs> and yeah. I just really was like, Looking back, I'm like, wow. Talk about pouring out your life, pouring out your heart for someone. That's what I got to see in real time. And um, I don't have regrets about just the journey that I was on here and there. I think that God just, he um, He knows what we need ultimately. Um, but the moments that I did get to connect with my parents and to see the way that my dad was like transformed in um, those years, like he, him becoming more like Jesus and becoming more like a servant and, and just um, laying down his life as husbands are supposed to do. And um, I got to see him literally shine in his 
Um, it's okay. Sorry. Um, no, I cry okay. a lot as an actor, so it's nothing new for me. I just like, I'm, I'm like, I cry all the time. It's like a part of my DNA now. Um, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing. If anyone wants to be encouraged, tears actually cleanse the soul and it's really healthy. So don't hold back tears and don't say, I'm not a crier. All right, fine. Whatever. Yeah. Everyone. Um, hi, look at the Psalms and, you know, David poured his heart out to the Lord and his life was not perfect yet. He praised him at the end. And so, um, tears are a beautiful thing. I just find them to be like, (laughs) when you're trying to say something, I'm like, okay. Um, anyway, that was a teaching moment. I love to like implement those within like my life because I have fully embraced, um, just the emotional range that God has given me. And I find it a huge gift. And I also let those emotions have a backseat because they are not to run my life. <laughs> um, yeah. They work better as servants <laughs> than masters. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, all right, we're going to cry a little bit. Okay. Um, that's yep. what it is. But um, you know, it's really beautiful to see, you know, my dad be in his last moments, a uh, husband to his wife and shine in glory, you know, and just, um, it was, it was amazing to see. It was amazing to yeah. see that. Um, not to say he wasn't in those previous years, but I just think that, um, I mean, he rose to the occasion at the end. Um, and he, man, God uses all things to refine us. And yeah. he used my mom to, Man, I will say this, whatever the enemy throws at you, you watch how God will turn around for good. I am closer to my dad now than I ever was. And my siblings, we are stronger and mighty together. Not perfect, but we are united. And um, we, my mother taught us that and to stand firm as Ephesians 6 speaks on you know putting our armor on and that's what she did every day every day i man every and i keep her with me every day now because i'm just like the legacy must live on and i'm a part of that so it's not like with pressure it's with honor and a joy to literally run after god's heart and what i've seen through that in the grief process is not going to physical things that will temporarily like temporarily take away the the pain and numb you for a minute. I think in the beginning that may have happened, whether it be like, I'll jump on the plane and I'll like go see friends or like, I need like a fun life experience, whatever. But I have really, really, really embraced what it means to sit in your pain and um, very uncomfortable and um not fun and i'm always here to have fun but how can you have fun when there's a huge part of you that's gushing blood out you know like that is an area that needs assistance and and uh healing and so for those who are grieving whether it's a you know divorce whether it's a child whether it's you know a job a dream i don't know we're grieving i'm grieving personal things up besides my mom right now that i've had to lay on the altar and give to him and allow the lord to be bigger than the grief that i'm experiencing but not you know denying any pain that i've been walking through or have walked through in my life um jesus 
literally has suffered it all. And so he knows more than anyone, the depths of our soul. Um, so with grief, it's weird. It's the weirdest thing ever in the beginning after she died, I would be just living and then smack something hits you. And I'm like, can't breathe. And I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, or I just shut down and I'm just like, I don't want to be here or I'm angry. And that's all the stages of grief. There's so many stages that are involved. And sometimes you ping pong and sometimes they come for full circle and then they will happen again. And so (laughs) I'm like, okay. Um, I'm kind of writing the acceptance right now. I'm in the stage of acceptance with it, but then, you know, new levels will happen in our lives. And I've, and I've seen, you know, like, I've gained success in my life. My mom is not there to share it. So there'll be a stage of grief. I'll walk through with that. And I've, I'm aware of that. Like when I have my kids for the first time, you know, when I have these, you know, these milestone moments, I will want to share it with her. And I know, and I hope to God, I never ignore those feelings. I hope to God that she stays alive within me all of the days of my life because she taught me so much. And I I love talking about her. She was like the greatest human ever. And she was my best friend. So of course, like, you know, I, and everyone handles it differently, but I mean, in the beginning when she died, that's all I wanted to do was talk about her all the time. And maybe other people wouldn't want to do that, but I'm like, nope, like, I just want to talk about her personality, remember her laugh, you know, um, do things. I never took her jewelry off. Like, um, my sister and I split up her jewelry. <laughs> I think there's still more to go, go through, but like, um, I was like, this is whatever. And I just never took it off. And there's still pieces. I mean, and there's pieces that she gave me that I wear all the time too. Um, that it's like, this is my mom's. And then I would get so many compliments from people that I was like, there's my mom's. And I got to talk about her. And it's just like, I'm like, people probably think I'm crazy, but I actually don't care because it's like, she was the greatest, greatest of greatest. She was the best of me on my worst day and my best day. She was the better than me on my best day, I will say. And I'm, <laughs> and her best day would be like negative, negative worst day for Leah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, this woman never complained, never, ever used the cancer excuse. <gasps> who is that? Who does that? Amazing. Who yeah. actually does that? Well, actually, I have cancer. So, like, my mother never. And if she did say that, we would be like, we kind of get, we, I mean, she never would, but if she were to say that, we would probably give her a look like that's not what we do. We are complainers and we are not victims. Um, and yeah. she never complains. I'm telling you, at the end, I was like, that woman's in so much pain, obviously. Her brain was swelling so much. She was on so much steroids, but then she had to come off it because of a bunch of other reasons. And so she was in so much pain and she would never sit there and moan and groan, you know, like whatever, rightfully so she should, she could have, she never did though. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not even close to this woman. I am not experiencing physical pain and torment like this five years of this journey. And I'm complaining about other stuff that I won't remember next year. Get it together. You know, like that was like. Puts it into perspective. So much. 
so much perspective. But then I noticed I did not have any grace for other people that would sit to me, sit down with me and tell me their problems. I was like, oh my, oh my word. Like you need a reality check. Like, so I had to lean back again and be like, okay, everyone is on their own personal journey of their life, whether it's spiritually, whatever it is um, that they can handle the margin and the grace that they've been given at the time. So then I had to learn to be like, okay, Leah, this, you're making it about you if you're judging their capacity. So let's not and meet people where they're at. And my mom did the same thing. She never judged people at their own capacities. She just met them where they're at. And so again, I feel like her story in her life um, is, is stronger than it's ever been as she's, you know, yes, living her life in heaven, but I also can feel her and I can feel her when I'm living out like my anointing, my calling with the Lord. Like I can sense her there. And it's crazy because to me, it just shows it's like confirmation of like you living out, um, God's perfect will. So, I mean, that's a random thing about grief, but it's, it's just weird. And you caught me on a good day. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, Hey mom. Like sometimes I talk to her, I'm like, Hey, what's up? And like, sometimes I'll say, Hey mom. And I'll start crying, but they do yeah. say like, you should still talk to them. And I'm like, that's so weird. It kind of sounds like new agey, but it's like, well, I mean, I'm not opening up a portal into some weird thing. I'm just like, for my own self, I need to just sure. be like this. Cause I talk to her on the phone every day for like hours. So, yeah. you know, distance didn't make a difference in our relationship. I just would be on the phone with her and tell her everything. So I had to grieve. Who am I going to tell my stuff to? And you know, who's, who has that level of capacity to listen to all of my dramatic stories. <laughs> I mean, I have <laughs> friends and they're great, but they're not my mom. You know, yeah. she knew me and she would, she would just listen and say certain things. And I was like, okay, done. You know what I mean? And just, um, so now it's, I'm in the process of, okay, God, who can I trust and who can I really allow in? And I trust, I have my people, but I also like, I don't know if anyone else would feel this way. I don't want to be a burden and I don't want to be that annoying person that's like, crying wah 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 about all of my stuff so i really really it's a blessing it's turned me and drawn me closer to jesus in this time and then gaining wisdom and discernment of when i'm like i need a phone a friend i need to i need to reach out i need a prayer buddy and you know which i'm always for you know healing comes through community it does not ever under any circumstances whatsoever come in isolation and I will say that to the word. for the to the day I die. Hear me loud and clear. Healing does not happen in isolation. It happens in community because they will set you free from mindsets in the lonely place, and they will tell you the truth about who you are. and And this is for godly, godly fearing women, men and women of God, to surround yourself with and. Thank you, Jesus. I have those in my life. And um, there's times where, though, it's not isolation. It's where he might want to put you in a place of, um, I, I say the word seclusion, but Jesus, you know, he 
fasted and prayed for 40 days by himself. He went off the wilderness. Yes, the wilderness places that he wants you to draw in. And I have made friends with the wilderness places. I (laughs) is it? (laughs) Is it awesome? Oh, the world doesn't feel awesome. awesome? Doesn't doesn't it all? But um I found the beauty in it. And um I have seen how I mean, even now there's times where the loneliness creeps in and I'm like, oh man, Jesus must have felt lonely because he was so misunderstood. I mean, his, his disciples didn't even know who he was. He's like, oh, who am I? And Peter was the only one because he wanted to be his favorite. You know, he was the only one that's like, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. And everyone's like, I don't know, you're this, you're that. And he's like, cool. And even then I'm sure Peter did not even fully Obviously, we know that there's a million names for God, but um, I think that the goal in grief is to not aim for it to be understood. The goal is to be um, authentic and real with yourself and to surround yourself with others that will let you be who you are in the moment and to not let you stay there. Because let me tell you, you can get into a pity pot and stay there and build a home. You will literally be a stinky fog because there's no movement there you need to be moving so grief looks like i mean there's a lot of things that i'm I'm doing right now that oh man it's it's a busy season but thank god because i mean my mom never even stood still so why would i why would i do that (laughs) and she was very very sick Yeah. (laughs) Well, Leah, it sounds like you've learned a lot during this grieving process, and I'm glad that you're going to grief counseling and getting help that way. And you talked about your mom leaving a legacy, and I think it's so evident in you and and, in your siblings that that legacy lives on. And I'm sure that she's really proud of you. Thank you, Terry. Amen. I receive that. You mentioned uh, a couple of times that uh, a- after you left home, you-, you had to work on healing and, yeah. and grieving. And I-, I guess I'm kind of curious, Leah, what throughout your childhood, what what kind of happened that led you to, you know, have to go through that process of healing and grieving? Yeah, I mean, I think that it involves around overall, like just the over responsibility that I had at such a young age and feeling kind of abandoned and left to my own devices and kind of like, we'll figure it out on your own. And I was like, I don't know how to figure it out. (laughs) I'm a kid, you know, like I, like the, you know, like the weight of responsibility I I had. Um, And then I got, it's crazy because then I got into adulthood, I rejected responsibility. I didn't want it. So I had to heal (laughs) from, you know, I had to find my inner child and forgive her for, I don't know, like I had attitude. I had my own issues, but I know it's because it was coming from a place of who's going to take care of me, you know, who's going to listen to me. Like, and my parents come from that generation where like your feelings didn't matter. So like, they didn't want to actually listen to your feelings or like, we'll get over it, you know? And I'm an artist, a creative, I'm a, I'm a deep feeler. And so like for a little kid who was very in touch and very, very self-aware and aware of adults, like that really affected me. And so I think it developed insecurities way too immaturely. 
and the narrative that I believed and the lies that I built my life upon um, needed to be demolished. And then I needed to be rebuilt again. And so um, the healing and grieving, grieving was like my lack of childhood in certain areas. And then uh, healing from even the own pain I put on myself and the expectations I put on myself because I was like, oh, I could have done better. I could have done this. I could have, I don't know, fixed it. I, I, you know, you make up all these scenarios, but it's like you did the best you could with what you had at the time. That's like a phrase that I've heard many times over and I've, you know, it's kind of sounds like a cop out, but like, I have to believe that that girl did all that she knew what to do. My parents are awesome and they, they loved us so much, but this, this is just a part of my inner world, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we had food on the table. Yes. We went to church on Sunday. Like, you know, we had our, you know, fun times together, but psychologically certain things that you kind of put on a kid at a young age, it does affect them. And so this is stuff that my siblings have, they, they will never know, you know what I mean? They'll never get it because it's just different. And we've had conversations recently about that, especially Drew, who's the youngest where I, he didn't know my grandma. And so my dad's mom, she died when I was like almost nine and she was the matriarch of the family. And so with the grief, it ties to that because her death totally changed our lives. Like my dad went to uh, deep depression and he didn't know it. And he had st- he finally realized that recently he's been in depression for like decades. And, you know, um, that generation, again, they don't know how to tap in and like listen to themselves and how to heal in that way, how to partner with Holy Spirit, how to get the tools that you need to come out and walk through something challenging and painful. And, you know, that, that affected everything with our life because it affected my dad and then affected my mom and then affected everything. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, and our grandpa, and it was just like, we were all this one big unit and the unit just kind of fell apart. And so from then it was figuring out what a new normal was. And, and I just have to say that, oh my goodness, it's so powerful to, um, when you have a strong, like this woman was so powerful and strong and loved the Lord. And then she led so well. And it just shows, goes to show like the impact that you get to make by building a family. And, um, I don't know. So I think that's part of, part of it. Um, the younger kids won't get that because obviously they, half of them weren't even alive for it. So, and one, what like Bryant, I think he was a baby at the time when, um, she passed, but yeah, I would say that's a big chunk of it. And then the ebbs and flows of how do your parents and they're crying all the time. And then, okay. That's when I remember high gear mode of taking care of things. And, and I mean, emotionally taking care of things too, not just like cleaning the dishes, like, you know, picking up and like laundry at nine years old, but like emotionally being present for the younger siblings, which who was there for me? You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, okay, then I would go to my room and figure it out. You know what I mean? And so it's just like a lot of alone time and I'm extroverted. So, um, yeah, 
So, yeah. So, I mean, kind of unpacking that, I mean, you had already been thrust into like a parental role, just having Mm -hmm. so many siblings. And now, yeah, your dad loses his mom, goes into unrecognized depression. I'm sure your mom had to support him. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of left everything on onto your plate to help things go as smoothly as possible. And for, for all that to be put on a nine-year-old shoulders, like, man, talk about over-functioning. <laughs> over-functioning. That's a good word. <laughs> it's a therapy word. <laughs> it's a therapy word. Hmm. I feel like I am in therapy right now. I didn't realize it was going to be this kind of therapy. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, I love hard things. It's been a hard week, so we might as well finish with hard things. <laughs> it's time for the story to be told. There's like so many things that God's doing in my life right now that I'm just not surprised that um, he wants to use me to help others. It's not about me. And, you know, and I've, he gets all the glory in that because I didn't heal myself. (laughs) You know, I chose, I was uh, surrendered to, you know, he offers healing all the time and all we have to do is receive. Yep. I want to go back a little bit here, Leah, as as you were talking about your childhood, I, I was thinking about attachment theory and, and it's something that I talk with all my clients about, uh, the idea is that we, we learn how to give and receive love based off how our parents, you know, show us love and, and studies show that that's really kind of formed within the first three years of our life. Like Mm -hmm. if our parents are good at meeting our needs and, uh, comforting us the way that we need, it's going to be easier us to form secure attachments and 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 to be able to both give and receive love. Sure. But if our parents don't do that, it can be kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, just kind of looking at your childhood, you know, when it comes to emotions, it sounds like, yeah, emotions. No, we're not going to go there. We're not going to talk about it. And so, yeah. in a roundabout way, then that kind of left an imprint on you that said, "Hey, Leah, when you have emotions." We're not going to talk about it. We're, mm-hmm. we're not going to process through them. You're just going to have to either deal with it or just kind of stuff it and just keep going. Thousand percent. Yep. <laughs> and and so yeah, I mean, just think about how difficult that is for anyone, but especially like a little kid, right? Yeah. And, and a kid who has all the leadership qualities. And I mean, you've said a couple of times, "Who do I go to? Who, mm-hmm. who do I talk to when I when I'm dealing with some things?" And that was something that it sounds like in your family system, it was just never modeled to you or, or shown to you. Yeah, you know, totally. And I would go to other people's houses or my friends, and this was definitely my late teens and I would observe their parents. And I was like, Oh, your parents are like really present in your life. <laughs> they call you so much. Or like, there's certain things where I was like, huh, it was just a different kind of the parents did this approach of like, well, you guys are all so independent. We'll let you just be independent and figure it out. But I feel like those are the ones that need the most like, like bumper guard, like, you know what I mean? Like training wheels or like safe, like styrofoam in certain places to be like, listen, I got you. Like you can mess up and like figure out your path, but like, I don't want you to crash and burn too hard from your own independence. You're too young young, your brain's not even developed yet to understand 
you know, the consequences of your actions, you know, exactly. and the pressure that you put on someone where you're like, well, I just have to figure it out. That's it. And that go, and that as a teenager, you go into survival mode. That's just what it is. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, well, I'm, I'm it. And so I confided in my best friends and God has always graced me with the most amazing community everywhere I have been friendship has been rich. And so, and that is the greatest, one of the greatest gifts I think God can give us is friendships. Cause it does say that friends are closer than a brother. And I have seen friends come along. Like I've seen friends like show me and, and love me through what I walk through and then show me like my parents' perspective. So there is grace given as well, instead of like blaming and pointing the finger, but like flash forward, it wasn't until I was in my late mid, I would say mid to late twenties that I actually had like a real relationship with my mom. So, which is kind of crazy to say, but like, it was, I didn't lean on her. I didn't lean on my dad in certain areas. Yes. But like, I, I was hyper, hyper, hyper independent, not by choice, but because I had to. Right. Back in, backing up a little bit here, Leah, you mentioned you, you did uh, form a solid group of friends that you could go to for support and Hey, praise God for that. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, anyone that knows you knows that, uh, yeah, it's not hard to, to be your friend because you're, you're a pretty awesome uh, person to be around. <laughs> Thank you. But um, what was that like, you know, especially like middle school, high school, those are tough years for everyone. I feel probably even more so for, for women, just because there's just, you know, the, the whole mean girls aspect yeah, and so definitely. much stuff going on, developmental changes, a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on. How did you kind of get through those years? Sports, playing piano. Um, I spent a lot of time at friends' houses. My best friend um, lived two blocks away, and uh, she's half Swedish, half Korean, and her mom is from South Korea. And so I would go to her house literally as a little kid and then into my teens uh, at least twice a week, and I would make Korean food in the kitchen with them. And that was like, and it was, it was only her and her sister. And then her mom and dad. And I was like, wow, it's just like a house of girls and really quiet. And I could just like chill. And I didn't have to take care of people in that time. So it was like, in a sense, yes, I was able to be relieved from responsibilities, but it was like when I wasn't home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you so, could just be a yeah, kid. I could just be a kid. So I spent time. Yep. At people's houses. I, a lot of sleepovers. I know it's kind of like taboo now. People are like, I'm not letting my kids sleep over anywhere. I literally was over at someone's house all the time. And not because, I mean, I just needed space. That's it. Cause like, I think deep down I knew what I needed and it was like, I need to get away from all of that. And we grew up in a small house, like technically three bedrooms, but one, the one bedroom downstairs was an office that we put into a bathroom or not a bathroom, a bedroom. And then the other one was, um, a laundry room that we converted into a bedroom. So we, in one functioning bathroom. So yeah, I was like, um, I want space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was hard to come by in your house. It's definitely hard to come by, but, um, it's crazy. We all kind of like are like glued to one another. We all genuinely like and love one another, but with those personalities, sometimes you're like, it's hot in here. I need some 
I need some air. So I'm going to step out, you know, like, <laughs> right. Right. So lots of time away. And Leah, you mentioned going to church every Sunday. What, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What was your, your faith, uh, background and what role did your relationship with God kind of play th- uh, throughout mm-hmm. your childhood as you were kind of looking for those sources of support? That's such a good question. Um, definitely grew up in the church, uh, non-denominational assemblies of God type upbringing, um, kind of Pentecostal with the, the tambourines and the flags and all of the fun, fun, crazy, charismatic stuff. I grew up with that. So, um, I was aware of some crazy healing, spiritual things from a young, young age, And like with that leadership and that responsibility, it was almost like God allowed me to see the supernatural um, and to not like we can see the supernatural, but you're witnessing miracles or you're involved, like you're in the atmosphere of his presence at a very young age. So I was, um, it's crazy looking back. I had a relationship with him since I was young, very young. I remember asking him, as you say, into my heart, (laughs) that's what they would say. Then I was like four years old and my parents were going to sleep and they were like, Leah, do you know Jesus? Like, I know Jesus. Like, is he the Lord of your life? (laughs) You know, they ask those cute little questions. You're little and naive and you're like, no. And like, let's do that. And so we prayed that prayer and I was like, this is cool. Like, I remember that connection genuinely felt that connection. And you know, regardless of all the upbringing, my parents did the very, very best to protect us from just the crazy stuff out there in the world and to keep us as pure and innocent as possible. Um, so I remember listening to worship music before I went to bed on, I'm going to date myself like the cassette tapes. Oh yeah. And yep. So that was definitely a thing for us and a lot of worship music in the house. I don't even know Michael W. Smith, you know, create that, whatever that existed. I don't know. So like in the house, there's, um, amidst all of the, the emotional turmoil that we were in my, they, they fought for, for an innocence and a pureness to reign in our home. And so, and they did a lot of protection around that. And I pushed the boundaries a lot because I was like, oh, what's on MTV? And I want to know what, like, I love the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, you know what I mean? But like, so yeah, I grew up in church. And, but then at the same time, I was like, I love pop culture. So it was like this really interesting dance between the two. Sure. But um, I grew up very young, serving in the church, in nursery, doing all of those things. I literally did the puppet ministry team. So corny. I, I can't believe I just admitted that, but yeah, I, (laughs) I, I did that. I did a whole bunch of other things like the the weird stuff that they did in like the nineties and the early two thousands, you know, like they, to, to get the gospel of Jesus out there. Like I probably did all of those things. If you think of a topic, I probably did it. So heavily involved in church for sure. That was like, I was there two, three times a week at least. And so did you lean on God then during, you know, those years, you know, specifically maybe those, uh, high school years, those teenage years as that source of support? Um, yes and no. (laughs) Um, I fell prey to peer pressure 
And when I transferred from junior high to a high school that wasn't like in conjunction to the two, I chose to go across town to a different high school, meaning I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have grown up with any of these people. I felt to do that because of the structure that was built for this other high school that I, we were all meant to go to. I knew that I would not flourish there because I had a really hard time in junior high. Um, I was a girly girl and punk and emo was a thing. And it was like awesome to be that. And I just wasn't that. Mm. And so I was wearing pink and doing my girly things that I loved. And I was like, so made fun of it. Like they, it's crazy. I'm sure in other parts of the country, I would have been fully accepted there, but like, not, not for me. And ironically, St. Cloud, Minnesota, I just had a whole bunch of like punk and emo kids. And I just, you know, <laughs> didn't conform to that. I was like, I want the, I want the American Eagle pink polo shirt. And like, I'm sure every other basic girl was wearing that too, but not in junior high where I went, not where I went. They're like, are you wearing pink again? I was like, I love pink. I was like, oh my gosh. So opposite of mean girls, like literally I was like, I just like doing this. And they're like, you're dumb and preppy and stupid. I'm like, oh, that's not nice. Okay. Um, And it was that crazy though. When I think about it, but yeah, I mean, they had hot topic was like where you would shop. I just never went there. Yeah, you didn't get the parachute pants. The parachute pants and like the metal kids were having lip rings at 14. And I was like, bruh, I don't even have my ears pierced. I think I did then, but I (laughs) knew yes. But like in high school, fell prey to you know, the girlfriends I had, I met them at the church I was at, and they had the cool group going on, and there's a lot of like I don't know, interesting things that transpired. And I just, you know, lost touch of that. It was like the total two-faced living a double life of going to church on Sunday, but then you're like lying to your parents and like going out and partying and getting just absolutely wasted off of, you know, for what, you know, but Mm -hmm. just to feel like you're a part of something and a bit of escapism as well. And you know, I didn't have to be anything but that person in the moment. So that, so yeah, I, um, but then there was always like a guilt and crazy stuff that I felt cause I would roll into church, like hungover, And it just was like, I knew Holy spirit. I mean, I was at a church camp I'm moving forward, but I, I was at a kid's camp. I shouldn't even say church camp. It was a kid. I was 11 years old. And that was when I was at an altar call and I got baptized in the Holy spirit at 11 years old. And so since then my life and my relationship with the Lord was very much like I had my Bible. I was reading it. I was like doing my devotionals and praying and like talking to him and very much like in the very, it was a baby still obviously, but like, I, I, I like knew him, if that makes sense. Like I just, I had, I knew I was loved by him and I knew that he was always with me. That was something that I've always just carried with myself and so Holy Spirit just bring like conviction when I'd be in places and doing things and acting out. And he's, he would just whisper his loving, corrective words into my ear. And I just was like, ah, my gosh. But the, I, I started to spin out of control a bit when I was uh, 16, about to be 17. And I was working at uh, Cold Stone Creamery. 
and I, can we say names on here? Is that like a thing? Yeah, if you want. Um, she knows the story. Maddie Ikoff is the one who, she was like singing a worship song and we were like cleaning up one night and I was like, what? I know that song. And she's like, you know this song? It was like some darling check. I, I don't even know. If, I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, but I just remember it was like one of those like pop hill song songs, whatever. I'm like, I know that because my dad was obsessed with them. And I was like, okay. And so next minute she's inviting me to youth group. And I decided to go all the way from where I was. I'm like, that's far 30 minutes. Like, you know, for a 16 year old to like drive, to go to a youth group on a Wednesday night in the summertime, right before school started. It was August 25th, 2006. So crazy how I remember that day. Yeah. Because that was the day Holy Spirit like completely met me. And I felt uh, like I just felt like he washed me clean. And um I had a rededication to the Lord at that youth group night. And it changed my life forever. Cause I decided I was going to live the, my life for him and repent from the way that I was living and walking out my life. And I genuinely meant it. (laughs) And then I told my friends that I'm not going to go out partying with them and do all these things. And then I started the school year and I sat by myself at lunch. Mm. (laughs) It just kind of like, you know what I mean? As it, as it goes, they're like, well, you don't vibe with us anymore. So then I was like, I'm not vibing with you, but like, it was, probably the best thing to detox out of those because they were doing the same thing. Not, this is like, I mean, judgment aside, but it's like, talk about lukewarm Christians. Talk about people who like one foot, one foot out. Nope. That's not the way to walk in. And I, and it's just not. And so I, and it doesn't need to sound like extremism. That's just like, it's scriptural. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, like, And so since then, obviously we're working out our faith with fear and trembling, but like, since that moment, that's when the true healing began is because I was, I surrendered, you know, cause I was like bull in China shop. Like I do it my way. Like I was doing, I was babysitting. I was always working. I was making my own money. I was literally doing, running my own life, um, at a young age. And my parents barely could tell me what to do. Cause I was like, well, you didn't, you weren't there for me when I was a kid. So I'm the adult. I will tell myself what to do. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. looking back hindsight, that was my logic. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and they let it happen. You know what I mean? I was like, well, you know, but, um, that just came out. So that, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say. Except that's all I got for you in that department. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm curious, uh, Leah, I'm sure that there's probably some young women, some teenage girl, uh, you know, in middle school and high school, who's maybe listening to this and is maybe in that same position that you were where they're kind of living that double life. Right. And, you know, they're, they're trying to live for the Lord, but you know, their friends are, are kind of pulling more, pulling them more towards the world. And they're just, they're just kind of feeling like stuck and like, I don't know what to do. And you know, they're facing that peer pressure what advice would you give them? I want to give them a hug, first of all. And that can make me cry because I'm just like, Whoo. I know that too well, you know, like that, yeah. that girl, oof, that gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'd tell them that they're beautiful and perfectly made and that they don't need to change a thing about themselves. Um, I'd also tell them that their identity does not lie, especially nowadays in social media, how many likes, how many followers, it does not lie in who is smiling um, at your face or, or not smiling at your face, who, what guy likes you, what guy doesn't like you. I would tell them to go find something that they love to do, that they come alive in and um, be confident in that because that is what can change the atmosphere around you. And to know that your identity is not, again, I said it again, but like identity is not in what you do. It is in Christ. It is in him alone. And I guess to study what that looks like, what is, what is my identity in Christ? What does, what does Christ say about me? What does that mean? And then practically working it out. And I know that kind of sounds like really, really kind of like big words, like out there, but, um, practically get yourself involved in a sport, do something that you're going to turn like social media off. And this is like for 2022 era, era, cause I'm just aware of what's going on. Yep. Um, and I would journal the crap out of your thoughts, journal, journal, journal. Um, I would think I would write down who I want to be when I grow up and then find people who have those qualities and surround yourself with those people. And if you don't find them yet, pray and ask the Lord because God always provided for me. He really did. Um, and God provided a friend for me, provided friends. They did not attend high school with me, but I was at youth group with them. And um, I had a small group that was fully like truly we were called set apart and we really were. And it was so anointed and like God really just like breathed on that group and we held each other accountable. And so I guess accountability, if you really, really, really want to dig deep in um, walking with Jesus, if you really, really want to be a Christ follower, it's um, abandoning self and I don't know, pouring your life out for him and for other people. But it's like, it's crazy. As you pour out, you get refreshed in return. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's not like you're, it's nothing's wasted. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted and volunteer time somewhere that you like to be somewhere that you like to be. I don't know. Like, yeah. um, I think so. Like I did a lot of things that, you know, I volunteered in church a lot and I think I don't regret that at all. I know some people are like, I spent too much time in church. No, I don't regret that because I saw people who were worse off than me or way better off than me as a kid, but all of that matters because that's the kingdom of God. <laughs> like we're all different and unique. So it's like, it's just good to surround yourself with different kinds of people, different backgrounds. Like, I don't know. I would just, I would just throw myself into anything and everything and see what I'm good at and see what I like. And I believe that everyone is good at something or a lot of things, you know? So, yeah. Man, that's that's a good word, uh, Leah. I, I pray that that those words really reach whoever needs to hear them right now. Mm. I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in what you just said there. And uh, I mean, yeah, you, you came out on the other side of it. So you know where those girls are at right now and, yeah. and what it's like. And, you know, for you to be on the other side, I, I think, uh, man, you, you'd, you'd make a, a good, you know, mentor if you're not mm. currently mentoring someone. So I, I appreciate just those 
words of advice there, Leah. Um, you mentioned kind of fast forwarding a little bit at 18, you graduated high school and yeah. you, you got the heck out of St. Cloud, Minnesota. Where'd you go? I went to um, more, I was like, Jesus forever. Like I still am that way, obviously, but like I, <laughs> I went to something called master's commission, which I think is shut down now. <laughs> But yeah, I'm pretty sure I need to get the facts. Don't quote me, but like, um, it's a discipleship program down in Fort Myers, Florida. And so my parents drove me, oh man, that story in itself. I'm telling you, I, when I graduated high school, my body became chronically ill, like pain, pain just filled my body. And I had no idea. Like that's a whole, (laughs) I don't even know if we want to go there, but like that part of it is a part of. Like, I will just say this, when anyone is stepping out, you are a target for the enemy. Like it just, it just, and I'm not glorifying the enemy, but what I am saying is I'm aware that I'm aware that that's not something God gave me. You know what I mean? I'm aware of that. So like I was walking through a lot of physical pain in my body, which I think was harbored from bitterness and pain and just unforgiveness from you know, my childhood that I did not work out yet. And so I went down to master's commission and I, that's where I really like, Whoa, God brought people into my life. Iron sharpened as iron. I was thrust into ministry and leadership again and hard things. And, um, I was like, I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to be a pastor. I was like, I'm going to rah, rah, rah for Jesus in church. You know, like I was just like, ah, like doing all of these things. So I did that for three years and it never felt like, ha ha, this is it. I have arrived, you know? And I don't think that feeling ever happens, but yeah, I was done there for three years and that's a whole other book in itself. So I'm just going to park it there. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Any, anything, um, you know, of, of significance or of note that you learned while you were down there or any yeah. like big, Goodness. just kind of relevatory moments with, with God while you were down there? Man, I learned so much about my emotions, so much about my emotions and that God can handle it mm. and that I can give them to him and that my emotions are good. They are not to drive the, the car of my life, but they are to be heard and seen and acknowledged. And so through that, it was the beginning stages. Cause like, again, my emotions and my feelings were totally rejected. And so I just disregarded them for myself. So he put me in a place of like, we must face your emotions. And I've given you a lot of them for a reason. And that's a flash forward to now. I I mean, I'm not going to do that now, but like, it all makes sense, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I, I, through those three years, wow, just like so much healing, prayer, like talk about, I mean, my life was in, in so much attack as well through there. Like I almost got a car, I got in a car accident, almost died the first like six months I moved there. Like my body oh, wow. was in pain. I had arthritis. They like, or something like they had, I had something going on in my body that doctors couldn't figure it out. And I literally was like, I don't, I don't even know. We just didn't like, again, my parents love them, but they were kind of, what they did was they dropped me off and that was it. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, well, you're all grown now. I was like, okay, what? 
So three months go by, you're not going to call me on my cell phone. Okay. I was really like, fine. I really am figuring this out on my own, you know? Um, and so granted, you know, they got the, my parents had their own stuff going on and there's grace for that. But, um, I, I will say during those three years, I saw my, my roommate's parents and how they were. And I, that broke me when I, when I I would see them, Oh, I'm getting care packages or their parents would, we didn't, we had like flip phones y'all. So like there was no FaceTime. I don't even think Skype existed then. So, um, I, you know, it was letters. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So old, but like, I think texting just started being a thing. And then later on the iPhone came out, but like, you know, communication was interesting. So I learned how to deal with my emotions still am, but like, you know, like, and then I learned healthy communication and, and how to, t- like, I remember my, my leader, there's like a group leader, like kind of put you in little groups and they look after you. She like forced stuff out of me. And I like swear I almost killed her a couple of times. Cause I was like, no, I don't want to talk about this stuff. I was in a car while she locked the doors and she was like, we're not leaving until, you know, you're telling me about this, what happened. Cause like I would get triggered and shut down, triggered and shut down. I'd be silent. I just wouldn't yeah. say anything. I would just be angry, seething, you know, something would happen. Something would say something to me. And I would just like close up shut up, not say anything. And looking back at that girl, I'm like, Whoa, I would never do that now. Like obviously learning discretion of like, you shouldn't say this at this time, you know, that's called discernment, like tapping into that. But like, I really had no idea what to do with myself. I really didn't. I just was like, I would just constantly tell her to shut up and then push her aside. I did it to myself, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so essentially I rejected myself. And so during those three years, God was teaching me about me, about how he made me and then how he loves me and how he desires like true intimate relationship with me. And that for me to have a relationship with me, cause like, I know that sounds kind of, I don't even know what that sounds like, but it just, um, I like self-acceptance and yeah, self-acceptance. I was used to being the boss, the leader, the, the sibling that was like telling everybody what to do. And there was a season where I was not that. And I had people tell me that they're like, you just need to chill out for a second. <laughs> like you need to just not be on a hundred. And so, yeah, I mean, I could go on. There's a lot of things in that context though, that was not healthy. So not a lot of great, healthy leadership that I learned. I learned what not to do in church mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't know. I think that's a whole other podcast to be honest with you. Okay. With, with yeah, I'm like yeah. church uh, dynamics. That's a whole nother thing. So like, um, sure. but I observed a lot, learned a lot. I'm thankful because I would not be who I am today without those three formative years of deconstruction and breaking down. And then God strategically, he's so strategic with who he brings into your life. Everyone pay attention to who is around your life. And if you like who you are more with the people around you, keep going to coffee with them. Keep hanging out with them. If you like, and if you feel better when you're like, I love when I'm with Terry, I feel like I'm just awesome. And I could do anything. You should hang out with Terry more. You're like, (laughs) you know what? I'm with Sally. I always feel like I can never do anything right. Well, don't hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, pay attention to those things. And so it's like, I, <laughs> I was blessed to be surrounded with some really great people that I was like, I want to be more like you, you know? And so like, um, but that's a blessing. 
Mm. Um, and that's something I fought for because it's like that. Uh, I don't know. You're only you're who like Kirby would say this, you know, back in the day, it's like, I was 17. It's like you are who you you're, you are who you surround yourself with. So you look at your five friends and I'll show your future. Yeah. And, uh, literally has carried that with me all the days of my life. And I still assess that to today. I still look at my life through that lens. Um, I have to, because friends are seasonal at times and there are friends that are forever. And then those forever friends, sometimes they need, they have their own stuff and it doesn't need to be like right in your face all the time. But, um, I don't know. I could talk about friends and that stuff too, but, um, yeah, so that's, that was the three years at the master's commission. <laughs> and, <laughs> A little bit. and did you, did you eventually get healing in your body during those? Yes. Oh my gosh. I should say that. I want, I, I mean, this is crazy. So like, um, I, I go, I went there mainly cause I want to be a worship leader. Right. And I was like, I want to do this. So I did, I did that. I was leading, doing that on the side with other stuff. And you know, this all, this is going to make sense. But like there was, um, we had like a worship team they would tour and they would go promote master's commission. They would go promote the school and then they would do their little, I call them concerts because I'm like, it wasn't really worship. I'm sorry. Cause it was like, you know, like the emo screamo times yeah. where you're like, yeah. ah, like, you're just like screaming. Like, what is this? This is how worship music, you know? What I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything's worship, but it's like, come on, you know, it's like, it's a show at the end of the day. And like, I'm just yeah. going to call a spade a spade. So like, um, I was asked to go on tour with them and do like their production um in the beginning like literally get there in september and october i'm on tour with them for a month and a half and so and i'm my body's in pain i'm like whoa i would walk for like 10 minutes and i was like i have to sit down and stop my body would just like i had arthritis i had i don't even know what, what whether it was autoimmune disease but like my hands would be so huge i couldn't wear shoes sometimes because my feet were so swollen and it's just like a lot of crazy stuff like happened so I did that. Um, I was put like almost like God strategically again, like put me in positions where I, it was abundantly clear that my body was not well. Cause like I would limp and like have to take breaks and it just, you know, you can tell when someone doesn't look great. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't look great. So like, but as I, <laughs> super strong-willed, stubborn Leah. She just powered through and she just didn't let it stop her. So, but it totally killed me at times. And I think that was a part. He used it. He used that to kill me. So amen, you know, <laughs> flash forward that same year. It's a fir my first year, granted. So it's, it will be a year of that pain and some change, right? And we're again on our second tour in the summer. And this is our first stop and from Florida to Tennessee. And we're go we're in the backwoods of Tennessee. And I mean, no cell service, like nothing. Right. And they're like, here's where you guys are going to, we're going to do camp. It was like, we're doing kids teen camp, right? It's in a barn in the middle of a field, which was magical. Right. Awesome. Um, but so humbling. And, and just, and it was like a barn without windows. It was just like all open. Like everything was just like exposed. I mean, looking back, like, I want to have church there, you know, but I was like, dude, are we going to, is this going to work? Like, I don't know. Um, and it was a small kids camp, 50 to 70 kids and a few leaders. Um, and some preacher that I, I wish I knew his name. I really do. Um, maybe if I 
maybe I'll chase him down. Maybe, I don't know. But like, he just was this Southern man and he was preaching his word, you know, last day and it was like night two or something like that. And, you know, the kids were so on fire for the Lord. And I just, rem- I remember sensing the spirit so strong in the worship services and just how he let the Holy spirit move. And, um, he was very, very present with everything he did and every person that was there, which was small, but like still. And, um, I was running like the projector and like doing all of like the lyrics and stuff like that. And I was like side of stage. And I remember it was like towards the end of the evening, he comes by me and he, um, he, we're talking and he goes, what's your name? And I tell him, I'm Leah. And he goes, I can tell that you are not well. It's like, um, can I pray for you? Cause I, I was, like I said, limping and like my body, you could just tell, like I said, like I, I tried to hide it, but my goodness, sometimes I would, people had to carry me at times where I was like, I can't physically move wow. my joints. Like I was like, I'm in so much pain. Uh, and I didn't even take medication for it. I didn't even take pain meds. I didn't even know what I was doing. I literally, like I said, purest environment our parents were I didn't even I don't even know what like drugs were really like when it came to like over-the-counter drugs I knew what drugs were (laughs) from parties but like anyway whatever but like um yeah so so he asked so he's like can I pray for you and I'm like yes granted that past year so many people would pray over me fasted, did so many fasts, so many, I pray, 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 pray. I went up to the altar praying. So people would approach me and be like, can I pray for you? Like, I can tell you're not well, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm that girl. That's like, I can't talk to boys anyways. Cause we weren't allowed to the first year. And I feel ugly. Cause I'm like sick. And like, what's wrong with me? And like, I have to keep going. And it was just like, no sick days, no days off type mindset, you know? So I was yeah. just like, okay, yeah, let's pray. You know, like I was just kind of like, yep, we're going to pray. But I really was ready. And so he goes, okay, let's pray. He's like, first of all, I want to ask you, how's your relationship with your father? Mm. Okay. I just started bawling. I just broke down. Yeah. Because I did not have one with my father. That's just the truth. And so his version we did, but what I needed as a young girl, you know, in certain areas emotionally to be met never were, you know? And so, um, I was just like, that's all Holy spirit. The Lord used them, man. And so, um, then he goes, okay, we're going to ask, uh, we're going to forgive him. We're going to forgive your dad. And I was like, wow. Okay. We're going to do that right now. And so he says, all right, you're going to, let's pray this prayer. And so I pray this prayer of like, Lord, I forgive my dad of the wrong that has been done to me. And, um, I don't even know. It was like a really basic, nothing super spiritual, just like, you know, boom, nothing happens after that prayer. He goes, all right, Leo, we're going to ask God to give you the grace to forgive your dad. And I was like, that's when I lost it again. Cause I was like his grace to help me forgive. Wow. Like that really like blew my mind. And so the second I asked, oh my God, I asked for your grace. And like, it was like fire literally filled top of my head through my entire body. I was instantly healed. 
Oh, everything. Wow. Yes. Instantane, radically instantaneously healed in my body fall to the floor. I'm just like my knee. I could bend my knees. I was jumping up and down. He goes, he's like, Hallelujah. he's like screaming. He's like, give her the microphone because now I didn't realize this faith comes by hearing. We need to hear these things because our faith is built. So he's like, you need to tell everybody what just happened because yeah. what, you know, so I'm like, I'm healed. And like, it's granted instantly right, right. When I said that, I felt like the lies of the enemy try to creep in. Mm. looking back, which is crazy. I was so free, but the enemy does not want you to receive it and keep it Yeah, because listen, let me tell you after that, I went out to that field and I was on my face in the grass for two hours after that, because I had some talking to do with God, you know, cause it's like, I was praising him and just like all of that and just crazy, crazy, crazy. But there's still like, yes, instantly heal, but yes, you let's walk through that too, because it's like, not just like one and done, like there's stuff that you need to unpack and, un, and like, I needed to do that then some people, different stories, but like I would then went on a journey of God showing me areas of, of how I built a fortress around myself to protect me from hurt and pain, rejection and abandonment, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was instantly healed. My body has been fully redeemed since then. In that case, I don't struggle with arthritis, my body and joints, obviously with the food in America, we have to be careful, but like, I mean, (laughs) I mean, like, no, I, I have not, I never suffered again in that way. And, um, it's crazy because it was in the summertime where our school was done. So no one's, the students didn't see it until like the next year I came back. So it was just kind of like, and then I had to, and I was on tour that whole summer. So it was like, God killed me from the gate. So I was gone that whole summer. I didn't see my family. Maybe one time I saw them maybe twice that year. Um, just turned 19 you know? And so I was on tour that whole summer and, um, I'm just so thankful his timing is so perfect and he did it right away. It's incredible. I mean, that, yeah. that's a, an amazing testimony in and of mm-hmm. itself right there. Yeah. I mean, we can probably spend, you know, a whole hour just unpacking that, but man, totally. that is, that is amazing. I'm so happy that you, that you had that experience and, uh, and that your body's continuing to feel well, yeah. you know, uh, you know, on, on top of that. You, uh, you, you said that you were there for three years and, mm-hmm. and then you kind of finished up there. Where did mm-hmm. uh, the Lord lead you after that? So I was going to have a summer in Minnesota and reestablish. And then I was going to go back to Fort Myers to do an internship with their youth program. Cause that's what I did in my third year there. Um, and Holy spirit was like, no, you're not going back there. Like I left my stuff in an apartment. I left stuff and I never went back to get it. Oh, wow. That's all I know. And it was in storage and, um, and then it's gone. So like (laughs) you've been in contact with people. It's like, Oh, so someone, okay. All of that stuff either in the garbage or somebody was blessed with a lot of nice things, but, um, not everything was left there. Obviously it took clothes home, but, um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that, um, never got back to my place in Minnesota. Um, so the Lord just was like, you need to be in Minnesota this year. Okay. So I, um, so I did an internship at a church that I got 
radically saved at again. So I did that for a year because again, it was like the mission was ministry, ministry, ministry. And then on the back, I did that. And then during that time, the Lord put Hillsong College on my heart to prep for it. And granted, actually, when I was in Fort Myers, it was there for years. My friend goes, Leah, you should go do this. And I'm like, okay, what? I didn't know they had a college. Like I grew up doing that, but I was like listening to them. I mean, I didn't know they had a college. It was in Sydney, Australia. And I was like, I love traveling. Sydney looks so cool. Um, To to interject here quick, for those that aren't familiar with Hillsong or Hillsong College, can you kind of give them a little rundown? Hillsong is a church based in Sydney and they have many campuses throughout the world and they're predominantly known for their worship music. Um, and I, yeah, they sell their CDs and back in the day, Christian bookstores, and you would just listen to their music and the pastor had a lot of books and things and my parents gravitated towards them. And so I grew up listening to their worship music and reading their books And, but I didn't dig deep enough to know that like, oh, they actually have a college um, for leadership, Bible college training to be in ministry or, you know, whatever area facet you wanted, but they had dance program, all of that other stuff. So does that help answer question? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thus begins the journey of the Lord prompting me to apply and to go there. And that journey was looking back, one of the most painful ones I went through because I thought it was going to be like, okay, God, like this, boom, we're just going to go like that. Someone's going to like, give me thousands of dollars to go live out my dream and like become like this worship pastor person, you know, like, oh, it's like, that's how he works. Well, he do it. You know, like, I just yeah. like, okay, <laughs> that's not how it happened for Leah. It's not how it happened for Leah. Leah worked her butt off worked her butt off to go. I get, I get accepted. Beautiful, beautiful. I have to defer for two years to save money. And all the while people are like, are you really going to go there? Or is that really, it's just like a dream. Like, I don't know. Like, what are you doing? It'll get in their eyes. It was taking too long. And then in my eyes, it was taking too long. And many times I was like, that's it. Throw them in the towel. I can't do this anymore. Then the Lord would send money in the mail somebody with a letter i still have the letters because it's almost like proof and it's evidence that like he is so in your business it's insane so like that journey of getting there that's a whole like those two years are formative and very humbling very very humbling because i was like fast track let's go like i i run the show type thing he goes nope you don't you do not run the show I run the show. You're my kid. Let me look after you. And I just like, again, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that posture. I didn't know. Um, and then I, at the same time I did, cause I'm like entitlement of like, well, just give it to me then. You know, like my attitude was just give me the money. What are you doing? You can like, but that that's pride. That's ego. That's, you know, that kind of arrogance. That's not beautiful. You know what I mean? So like, through that journey. Wow. Humble, 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 humble pie. Guess what? When homegirl shows up to Sydney, Australia in 2013, those people that are in my class to this day, I talk to them almost every day and we, yep. Every day FaceTime, they're Australia. They're in London. They're in Germany. They're in Texas. They're in Tennessee. They're like all over the place. Talk to those people all of the time. And if I were placed 
when I wanted to go, I don't think I ever would have met them. And those people have literally been my people. Like talk about those are my people. Unfortunately, they don't live in New York city with me, but they're a phone call away, FaceTime away. And, you know, God is again, so strategic and he listens. And honestly, the patience that is developed within us when we trust him for his timing, that's just truly what I saw. So I get to Hillsong college and I met the most amazing people of my lifetime there. Like just what the talent. Oh my gosh. Talk about, you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm never going to sing again. You know, like, I was like, <laughs> I suck. I was like the questions and like the music theory. I was like, I don't know this. I'm done. I need to fly back. Like, I was like, I just, Oh my gosh. No one told me what was I doing wrong? Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yep. Leah, you know, I freak it out. Imposter syndrome 101, you know, just like crazy. <laughs> You know, and then comparison and you have all of these kids. They're like, oh, we just got right over from high school and my parents are paying for me to be here. So it's like, I want to punch you in the face. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was so mad because I was like, you don't know how much it took to get me here. And I already did a season of my life. That's a, that's a book in itself. Like, you know what right. I mean? I was very like seasoned by that time. So that some people were older, some people younger, like in my class. And it was just, it was hilarious. So like, yeah. um, again, humble, humble, humble. <laughs> I was put in a place so many times, so many times. And God just, he's, he's good like that. Some people may not call that goodness. I think it is goodness because yeah. we are to be made more like him, not like the world. And the world will bite, scratch and claw their way forward. And that sometimes, that's... Um, we are in an upside down kingdom. Like this is, you know, the, the Lord says the last shall be first and the first yeah. shall be last. Talk about cray cray. That doesn't make right. any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, <laughs> even being, being humble. I mean, he says that those who uh, allow themselves to be humbled will be exalted, you know, will be, mm -hmm. will be made great. And yeah. so, yeah, it sounds like you definitely had uh, quite a few lessons in humbleness during that <laughs> period of time. Lots, lots of them. And it still happens. But like, hello, we don't know. Anyway, yes. Amen to that. And I'm thankful yeah. because um, I don't know. I, I just, it's nothing worse than somebody who thinks they have it all together and know it all. We does. No one does, bro. Like, come on. Like, you don't ever arrive. <laughs> There's another mountain wait for you. Once you climb that one, there's another one. So that's the truth. Hey. That's the truth. How <laughs> How long were you in uh, Sydney Ford, Leah? Yeah. So like, this is crazy. I saw a pattern in my life. So like I was in three years in Florida and then I was in Minnesota for three years. And then I was in Sydney for three years. Mm. Right. Yeah. I wanted to become a resident and live in Sydney, Australia, all the days of my life and marry some like Aussie dude and have like surfer babies and own a cafe, right? Like own a cafe on the beach and like, I don't know, sell art or, you know, like just be a songwriter, just do all of the artsy fartsy stuff and just be free. Cause like I came alive in Australia. Like I just, the personalities there, I didn't skip a beat. It was like home for me, literally. And thank God I got a job right away. So I was literally at a pub for three years and at Bible college, just doing the things. <laughs> making it happen. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot in those three years 
my goodness, that's like going back to, I mean, that's been shelved that season for a little bit. Cause there's just some other stuff that has transpired, um, in that community that I'm like, I need to, I past year went through some healing with that as well, because there's just some stuff that went down. So, um, yeah. but we don't serve a church. We serve God. He is first and, uh, people fail you. And it's not like, you disregard them or like you don't, I don't know, honor them. We are to honor and love our brother and sister in Christ. But like, I think there is an idolatry that is built upon those on the platform, which is so it's corrupting the church at the moment. Yeah. And so dangerous. Um, it's very dangerous. And I think that's why I shied away from the spotlight because I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I don't want, I don't want that, that pressure or even that like, so what you have charisma that doesn't mean you're anointed doesn't mean you even know the word of God and who says you should be preaching, you know, like there's just, I mean, I know I'm being forward with that, but I just like I learned the hard way through observing again, what not to do and what, and what to do with not just ministry, but like life and relationships and people. And, you know, um, the church should not be built like a corporate system, meaning like you climb the corporate ladder. Like I said before, we are in an upside down kingdom. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. The, he served the least of these, you know? And so it's just like, when I see that kind of pattern in the Western church, I, I'm like, my goodness, Jesus, we've, we've got it twisted. Help us to, to be more like you and to not mirror even like the, not to conform to the world, but to be, be renewed by the, his mind, his mind and our mind to be renewed together and to test and to know his good, pleasing and perfect will. And that's kind of like, literally, if I could speak to young people, but what do I do with my life? Where do I go? It is Romans 12 all the way. God gave that passage to me, my third year and told me, that passage, Galatians six. So there's a few other things that those are like my life, what I build my life upon. And, um, if you don't know the voice of the Lord, you can read the word of God and you can recognize his character and you can recognize who he is and not, um, and be able to discern who is that talking, you know? So, um, I went to these places Half of it was not my will. Most of it wasn't. I had the idea, but it very much was the Lord prompting me to go. And so, and the timing, frustrating with the whole college thing in Sydney, that was just horrendous for me, but very, very, it tempered me like chocolate needs to be tempered to get that nice color sheen and all of the sparkliness. I was tempered many times over because who is that? I don't know. <laughs> um, as someone's ringing my doorbell, um, but I, I think it's they. Sometimes it's like packages that like come in, and they're like, sure. "Please, what buzz me in?" Anyway, yeah. um, Amazon. Um, it's okay, buzz someone else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to edit that out or keep it. That's like the New York Life one on one. Yeah, I was gonna say this yeah, is. I think this yeah. is quality audio we yeah. can keep that in <laughs> yes my friend goes to me the other day she like her boyfriend sends her like um he's away and she he sent her like chocolate and a few things ice cream 
and we have like these carriers here that like deliver all that kind of stuff. And, um, like same situation to me, she goes, my buzzers keep buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. My mom's in my apartment hanging out with me. And she's like, aren't you going to get, she's like, no, it's Amazon. It's someone turns out it was actually for her. And she's like, Oh, sorry. You know, anyway, it's just, it's just kind of funny. It's like the little nuances and the like idiosyncrasies of New York city. I just, yeah. um, anyway, life in New York, city. life in New York. And I'm so thankful. It's quiet. I also live on a quiet street. I moved, thank God, because I was in this crazy, it was a beautiful apartment, but like I had roommates now I'm on my own, but like, it was very, very wild and just loud all the time. And I'm in a quiet little neighborhood and I love it. There's no, barely any sirens. You can't even hear the cars. There are no cars. So I just, I'm, I'm really happy. Hey, God so, provided. Yes, he did. Like if we would have been anywhere else, you wouldn't hear it. screaming, yelling, honking. Like we're like rush hour right now. Everyone's like trying to go somewhere. So anyway, right. that's like, that's just another <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, it's so quiet. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to uh, to Hillsong, though, you were there mm-hmm. for three years and obviously learned a lot, you know, learned, you know, good things, what to do. Also uh, learned what not to do with yeah. things. And so sounds like you mentioned that you just kind of felt, OK, I got to get out of here. I got to I got to get out of Hillsong. My time here, you know, I, yes. I, it's just kind of done. Where 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 next? Where did you go after that? Yeah. So I think before I was saying, I was like, I want to be here forever. And like, that was my goal. And I was like on a, on a jog and I had, I brought my journal somehow. I was like jogging and with my journal. Cause I wanted to go to this hill. Cause like the sky somehow was bigger in Australia. Everything's bigger there. Like literally bigger and scarier and will bite you and kill you essentially, you know? <laughs> like, so I was like, don't die from the, from the spiders, you know, like you just never know. So just like running through this cute little park and um, I get, it's about sunset and like journaling, sitting against this tree. And it's like so romantic. I'm having a time with Jesus. And I'm like, I'm so excited about my life. I'm going to be here forever. And like, I'm going to get my residency. I love it. Like I was literally thriving there. Like I was just like, I don't want anything else. Like going back to my family. I barely spoke with them when I was in Australia time difference and also mm, just stuff, you know? So it was just like, um, I was like, nope, I'm good. Like I was very disconnected from my family in a sense. Like I was and wasn't, it was just, it was a different, it was a different time. I was, oh, Drew was in high school and brought and Philip just about to be in college or was in college. Yeah. So just like very, it's just, you know, my parents had their own thing. And I had my own thing and I was very much like hyper, hyper, hyper independent. And like, nobody was paying my bills but me, you know what I mean? So I was like, mm-hmm. I got this. I'm going to do all this <laughs> in the middle of my like, <laughs> like really giddy excitement, like plans. I'm telling God about the plans that I have that we're doing. He goes, uh, no, you're not. And I was like, what? Nah, that's not him. That's silly. That's just what I'm so happy here. You know, I was like, and then he goes, no, you're not. I'm like, okay. And then he goes, yeah, you're going to move back to America, actually, when you graduate. And that was in, oh, goodness, right after my birthday. So it was in September, and I graduated in July. So I was planning on staying, and he was planning on me leaving. Mm. And he goes, no, you're not. You're moving back to America. And I just instantly started crying because I was like, What? Like you're moving back to America and you're moving to New York City and you're pursuing the entertainment industry. 
Wow. Going into the entertainment industry. That is what I felt the Lord say. So I had that chunk of time to confide in wise counsel. Okay, everyone. <laughs> Very important. In wise counsel. I had the wise counsel. I prayed. I fasted. I wrestled. I yelled. I cried. I was mad. I was angry. Um, I literally felt like I was forsaking like a beautiful season of my life. And I found who I was and I found safety in Australia and family there. I had family unit. I literally, literally God provided so much. I spoiled, utterly spoiled. Like he really, 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 he really outshined everything I could ever deserve. He did. And so that really put me in a spot of like going, okay, clinging to you. Cause like, I don't know what, like it threw me so far for a loop because here I was, I don't know. Was that like year seven or eight of prepping for ministry? And the Lord's like, you're not doing that actually. <laughs> kind of puts a big kink in your plans, huh? Um, yeah. I was like, um, if I'm pursuing this, why did I do that for all of those years? Yeah. What? Like I literally was so confused. Sometimes I am to this day, but I feel like I've resolved it. We're, we're like in a good place with that. But like, so yeah, I um, graduated. July of 2016. Um, my visa was up in November, but my brother, um, uh, the crazy one decides to get married at 21, 22 years old. So homeboy gets married in August. And I was like, Oh, so I can't even like hang out in Australia. I can't even like work and chill and like exist. Nope. I, he's like full on, like you're out in three weeks. Like you graduate that the grace lifted off of me for me to be there. Like, ah, uh, Oh my goodness. I was like, oh, we got to go. Like there was yeah. no grace for me to be there anymore. It was done. So like knowing the perfect will of God, when the grace lifts and you, you combating your will with his will, your ideas with like what his perfect will for your life, you will be in more pain than you, you're basically doing it to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, um, I knew as obviously I was like, this sucks. I don't want to leave. I cried my eyes out on the plane. I was like trying to put my Australian, like the, the plug for my iPhone into like the plane. I was like, how is it working? Cause they have different like outlets. And the Australian goes, um, we're flying to America. So we have all American outlets. And I was like, Why? like I literally just <laughs> lost it. And there was a couple sitting next to me and they think they just got married. And they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's so funny. Because they're like, I'll love you. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm like, oh, I'm like blatantly, I did not care. I was like, yeah. so heartbroken to leave, you know? Oh, like, I was, I literally, like, Australia still has my heart. Like, I still love that country so much. Like, that's because, like, man, there's just so much there that it's just beautiful. Anyway, so like, I fly back to America and I freaking hate it. I hate it. I was like, you Americans, you're so fat and lazy. I started like talking, like, you know, like I was just like, my parents were like, and then I'm saying all the slang, the Aussie slang. And like, we'll talk about this maybe another time. But like, I, there's some certain theologies and doctrines that I developed there that literally was the opposite of how I was raised. And my parents were like, what the heck did you do and learn there? What? Mm. And I may not bring up those topics because it's really, they're heavy and really out there. Sure. And I don't think I have the ammo to even combat the, you know what I mean? 
So yep. I said a few things. My dad was like, what? So like, I then went into a detoxing season of like, what did I just do and learn with my life? And really, who am I? What is this? Cause like you are who you surround yourself up with. You are a product of your environment and certain environments want you to be just like them. And want you to evolve and be compliant and just do and say like a robot in a kind of in a way to like fit in. I've never been one to like fully fit in. I, as much as I wanted just to be like in the background, nope. <laughs> I just, he didn't make me that way. He did not. Like for, you know, for, I tried to minimize, I tried to, as they say, edit, I tried to do all that, but he just literally is like more, want more, give it. Like, you know what I mean? So like, um, I then work a side job selling jewelry and diamonds and engagement rings to save some money to move to New York city. And God's like tap it on my shoulder. It's now October. He's like, yeah, Leah, what are you, what are you going to move there? I'm like, eventually eh, I'm good here in Minnesota. I love it. You know, I was like, I love Minnesota. I was like, this is great. You know, I'm hanging with my parents right now. We're kind of like reestablishing our relationship. The kids aren't really around. I was just like getting my ground. My mom's like, all right, sis, you gotta granted flashback to in Australia, I was like, so expecting to meet the man of my dreams there. So I was like, I'm going to get married to an Australian and stay here. And that didn't happen. I think my parents kind of wanted that, that, that to happen too, because I came back and was like, well, I need somewhere to live. <laughs> so I guess I got to go back to my old bedroom. Like that's fun for yeah. 20, how old was I? 27, but to 28 at the time. Sheesh. Um, kind of humbling again. Oh, very much so. Because like God flipped the script on me, you know, and I had so many opportunities. This is crazy. Opportunities up the wazoo that I left in Sydney. Like people were like, we want you to be a promoter for our company and do tours for other, I don't know, people who are visiting and we want the American voice. We want your look. We want that. You know what I mean? Like I was getting thrown these opportunities because I was working in the pub and like I had connections there and like different people. And, um, it was insane. And it's crazy. The enemy will always offer counterfeits before the real genuine article will come into your life. And so, yep. So many, many offers that were so beautiful. Like someone's like, please be our content creator and Instagram person. This is like back in like when it wasn't even that big of a thing, like in 2016, they wanted me to do all of this stuff for them. So I was like, Oh, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. And like, I just said, say no. And I was like, why am I saying no to these opportunities? Like, I'm like, this is my dream. Literally my dream. Like, yeah, we want you to like go on these like tours, jump out of planes and like taste food. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I want to do that all, you know? And Lord's like, not for you. You must go. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You know, not only are we not going to go on staff at a church because that's not what he's graced me for we're not living here where I want to be, you know? So it was just very much like, let me start it back at one. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> in my childhood home, where are we going? What are we doing? Holy Spirit's knocking on my door. I'm starting to get invested back into our church again. That brings up old triggering traumatic things that happen. And that's another topic of like, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But like, sure. I just think that, I could talk about serving and really when it's serving for God and when you're serving just to be um, an unpaid volunteer for someone. I don't know. That's that sounds bitter. I don't mean that to sound bitter. I mean that to sound when you're in a season of hardship, it's good to just take a minute and to not be pouring out at that time. And if it's sure. like a three month sabbatical, two months, whatever. Um, that's 
more than fine. I say that's just me personally, just because of what I've seen and experienced, but, um, and this is how the Lord equips those. I mean, we're all different, but, um, yeah, I'm doing all of this other stuff in church again, and then I'm working and then Holy Spirit's having on my shoulder, like, and it was getting more and more uncomfortable to be there. And I was like, grace lifted off of me here. So I make a little trip, visit a friend from college I met in Australia and I spent a weekend there and I was like, gosh, I hate New York. I've never been to New York and God's called me there. And I'm here for a weekend. I'm like, I didn't like the city. I don't like loud things. I didn't like, I was like, I'm not feeling this. This is not my vibe. I want the country or the beach or the mountains or like chill vibes. Like people are not chill here. I was like, I want to die. If I don't walk fast enough. Oh my God. <laughs> Some person was like, walk faster. I was like, this oh my gosh. I don't know. What is this? Humans are cars on the streets. You know what I mean? So it's just like, Oh, the sidewalks are like, you better be like, Oh, on your A game there. So, um, especially now anyway, it's different, but, um, I go, Holy Spirit's wrecking me. He's like, this is your home. This is where you need to be. And I'm like loud and clear captain, you know, like, I'm just like, I got you. Um, come back. My friend goes, who I met at Sydney, she, we're talking, she goes, okay, now I need to ask God for a date of to move there. Cause otherwise you're just going to like, I don't know, moan and groan this whole time and not make a move. So you got to do it. So he gives me a date, January 13th, 2017, Friday the 13th. Very strange. January, man, like in the dead of winter, wants to move anywhere in the winter, right? Right. You know, his timing is pretty insane because right that day I left, that 13th, the night before, is when I found out that my mom had the second round of stage four cancer. Oh man. Yeah. So I said goodbye to her in a hospital bed and they blessed me to go, but it was like, I just look back at that time. If I would have left sooner, it would have been really bad. Cause I would have been so confused if I would have left later, maybe I would have never gone, but he gave me this date and things were set and I had accommodations and everything was lined up. And he is like, again, he's so strategic. When we listen, if you want to listen, he will tell you, yep. you know, and it's trusting, right? We, we don't always get it right. But like, that was all him, that date, that timing, because like I was, you know, and then thus begins the journey of me being like, why am I in New York city? My mom is sick and not good again. And second round. And I hate it here. (laughs) You know, I really hated New York city for solid two years. I was like the opposite of Australia. I missed the, I missed the warmth. I missed the warmth of people, but bringing it back, God again provides the most incredible people. <laughs> it's insane. Won't he do it again? Like he just brings these people in my life and they absolutely wow me. And I'm just like, what? Best friends, fast friends, just like that. To this day, the first friend I ever met, she's coming back to visit me. She moved back to Raleigh, but she's coming to visit me next weekend and we're going to hang out and stuff. But like she changed my life and I met a lot of people through her and vice versa. And then, you know, community, it's like God's built my community here in the city. And then, um, I was very, very invested in the church here. I mean, I still am. I'm at another church now, but I just, I've just always, you know, poured my life out in that way. And sometimes I'm like, dang, that's just an 
I don't know. I just, sometimes I question it, but meaning like it really needs to be for him and not for any other reason or our logic behind it. Uh, the gain is not to establish anything physical, like within the church boundaries, but to really pour yourself out for him and why you're there is for him and not to be seen, not to be validated, not to, you know, get your name up there, not to climb that corporate church ladder, which is so real, but like, um, really navigating how you want to use me, God, in this season. And sometimes it's looked for, look like for me leading worship. Sometimes it's looked like me leading small groups. It's looked like me leading the team. I didn't even know what it was and looks like prayer team leadership. It looks like, I'm doing a book study with y'all. I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like it, it has looked different. It's not a, it's not a sterile, like very mathematical kind of structure that he's made me or any of us to be. And the hands and feet in the body of Christ, messy, dynamic, wild, crazy. Sometimes you're going to be the foot. Sometimes you're going to be the head. Sometimes you're going to be the, I don't know, the ear. Sometimes you're going to be the kneecap it's going to be different in each season he requires for of us. If we want to, he's not going to force himself, but that's just something that I've learned. It's not always look the same. And there's been seasons of certain things and seasons of doing the things I really, really love, and then not doing them. And then trusting God that like, there's a time and a place for it. And there's a position for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. So he, he called you to New York mm-hmm. in, while you were in Australia and said, you're yeah. going to be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So Leah, what are you doing in New York what right now? What am I doing? So I am, you know, right now I work a job that is not technically in the entertainment industry. I work a job. I'm in finance. I actually just got a new job this week. So oh, which is congratulations. Crazy. praise the Lord. It's also in finance. So I do that during the work week for the monies. Um, but I am at a conservatory. I'm at Esper studio right now and studying, um, uh, acting technique called the Meisner technique technically. So I'm studying Meisner technique at the studio and I'm now building finally y'all building it up. It's taking me like literally years to allow myself and to even believe in myself enough or the confidence to even fully, fully give my 110%, even more than like 2000, 1000% to it. You know what I mean? And we're not fully at a thousand percent. We're at a, we're, we're getting there, but, um, meaning we all have these ideas in our heads of what success looks like, right. And like where we yep. want to be and like where I thought I would be by now, not there by any means, but like the plan, if, as we have seen the thread in my life, how faithful he is, how good he is, how present he is, how strategic he is, his timing is massively perfect. And so, um, and he'll never like, you know, Oh, God has given us anointing and favor and he's graced us. And if, you know, as we carry these things, he's not going to give us this heavy thing. If we can't carry it well, if our character is not going to take us and our integrity is not going to carry it well through the years, because it's like a whole lifestyle. This is not like a season of like, I'm going to do this. It's like, all right, well, can you actually carry the weight of the responsibility of being in an environment where everyone's against you in the spirit, you know, like you're in the belly of the beast type thing. Like, do you, have the strength to do that, you know? So, 
Um, now I am working on content. I'm creating things on my own and um, still getting, still applying myself, auditioning. You know, I it's like, hey, listen, being an actor is like uh, the definition of like knowing how to be rejected well because not every job is for you. Yeah. So, but um, I have a lot of dreams and things attached to the entertainment industry, a lot of passions there. And I finally allowed myself to receive how God has made me to be and um, to operate in that with him, because it's not about me. <laughs> like, it's not about me. It never will be. But like, if I'm constantly rejecting my personality or myself to like, I'm going to, this is what Christians do. Okay. Well, we are the body. We're very different. Like everyone's going to whether you're a doctor or a janitor or a teacher or a, a pilot, an actor, a writer, an artist, whatever, like that you don't need a Christian doesn't mean you need to be in the four walls of a church. It doesn't mean that you need to be working a job that you hate. I mean, I kind of hated my past job, but like, you know, the Lord actually had a mission for me there. And like, um, there was joy in that as well. Everything is, there's a reason for everything, a purpose and everything. And, he's bigger than my mistakes. You know what I mean? He's bigger than my insecurities. He's bigger than the things that I halted. I stopped. I didn't listen half the time, you know, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm giving it to you. We're doing this. So like, I'm amidst it now. Um, and going back to when I was 18, 19 and you know what, like, this is not a foreign thing for me. Like I was a little kid acting and modeling and dancing. Like at four, my mom forced me into it. Cause I was like, surprisingly a very shy kid. I don't know why, but I was, I was just very to myself and like kept everyone in line and quiet and was like, okay, someone's got to keep it together. You know, like I was like, and so at home I was kind of wild, but like out and about, I was like, doo, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I was just like everyone. So, um, she forced me in environments that I had to like come out of my shell. And so when I was a little girl, I always wanted to be an actress and a singer. That was like, I wrote it down in my journals, my little diaries and would tell people like in my sheepish, quiet girl little way, you know, but then I was so afraid to perform and to be seen. And that's a whole nother layer of talk about vulnerability because an artist and as an actor, you are the definition of vulnerability. Like you're raw, your soul is out there for the world to see. I mean, come on. I was like, could you have picked a different profession here? This is crazy. Like, I can't hide. Like, I have to, like, you know what I mean? My mouth mm. and who I am. Like, okay. I was like, why can't you just make me into, like, an admin person? I just make a person that sits at a desk job. And, uh, you know, because I was surrounded by people who did that for, like, decades. And, like, they seem happy. But like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> settling, settling's a thing. And I just, I don't know. I've never been one to settle. I just yeah. literally, you see the biggest, I want the biggest bite out of life. And I'm going to go get that biggest bite and find the best bite and go eat it and just like love it. Even though it's hard. I'm like, I got to eat this bite. It looks so good. Yeah. And then just chase, chase down every dream. And so um, I'm in, I'm amidst it, you know, I'm in the thick of it. Um, but again, I have a great community of actor friends that we're all in the journey here too. And that is definitely being used for the Lord. It definitely is being used now. So I'm fresh and, um, I have friends, thankfully in community that are like, 
I'm like, I'm gonna, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving it this like, well, I won't let you, you know, like people just like not letting you. I'm like, this is stupid. You know, like I have the excuses down the list to be like, do you understand how dumb this is if I, for me to do this? Like I was the, my worst enemy, not, not the world. I literally was my own mountain. So like this past year, biggest year of my life transitioning into 2022, my eyes are open. I'm fully like awakened. And I'm like, all right, Leah has got to get out of the way and we're just going to do these things. And it's not about you. Yeah. Man, Leah, I, I I think that's the perfect way to to end this is just just how man, it's just so incredible to see how again God's strategicness throughout your life, and mm. not only that, but your your obedience to that. I mean, mm-hmm. you could have easily, if you really wanted to, say, uh, you know, I don't care what you say, God, I'm staying in Australia, and then just stayed. Or mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go to New York. I'm just going to stay in Minnesota. But you didn't. You listened. Mm-hmm. You were obedient. And look at, man, look at the blessings throughout mm-hmm. your life. I, obviously, there's been struggles, but your obedience has resulted in blessings and, and obviously in lessons learned as well through some of the difficult times. But it is so awesome to see where you're at now, Leah, just how kind of like, you know, the, uh, popular slang, I guess, you know, living your best life, you know, (laughs) it it sounds like that's where you're at and that you're just free Mm, to be yourself. Yeah. And, and you're just, like you said, you're just kind of, uh, you know, with the Lord, obviously, uh, taking the world by your hand and Mm. being like, okay, let's make, let's make an impact here. And Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to continue to watch your journey unfold. And, uh, I know God's, He's got still even more bigger and, and more amazing plans than you could ever dream of, uh, mm-hmm. even after all that you've been through, even after going to, you know, uh, masters and, yeah. and Hillsong and all these things. Like, I feel like you ain't seen nothing yet. And, uh, oh, man, I, I'm excited go. to see this. <laughs> Terry, you are the best. How are we talking this long? This is awesome. It's like, I felt like I looked at my watch, I'm like, holy snap. That was yeah. a long time. I'm sorry. It's been take... a long time. I'm yeah, sorry. But <laughs> no, no. I, I think that this is good. You got you got an amazing story, Leah. And mm. uh, I love how real and raw and vulnerable you are. And uh, I, I, I'm really excited for the feedback on this, just for people mm. to be able to relate to you and uh, and to just uh, get to know you as mm. well. I mean, you got such a fun and contagious personality. And so thank you, Leah, for being so gracious with your time. And uh, coming on and being vulnerable and sharing your story. Oh my goodness. What an honor. Seriously. I think this is just, I mean, I feel better just for myself. I'm like, wow. I know. I talk about those things. Like, wow, good for me. So just to, you know, you ask such great questions and you have to go deep or not. But like, I mean, I just chose to do that. But such an honor. I love that you're doing this. I love that this exists. Um, yeah, to God be the glory, truly. It's like so cool to see how he uses us. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, thanks, Leah. It was great catching up with you. Thank you so much, Terry. Man, I love how just real Leah is. She is so full of life and energy and is just a true pleasure to be around. I know this was a longer episode and I could have easily spent another hour or two talking with her, but for being so young, Leah has lived so much life and has so much wisdom. 
And I just know she is going to continue to be used in mighty and creative ways by God to share her story and bring him glory. You can follow Leah on Instagram at leah.m.amundsen and make sure to look out for some of her projects coming in the near future. If you have any questions for Leah, use the hashtag AskTWT and we'll get her to answer some. Thanks so much for tuning in and make sure to leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share these testimonies with as many people as you can. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, make sure you're living life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.